Oh my goodness, it is podcasting day. Hello, hello, hello. This is Rachel Vogt. Who are you on the Zoom? <laughs> I am Jess McGuffern now, but formerly Miss Anderson. And I'm with Photos with Anderson because I still haven't chosen a new business name. But you can find me at photoswithanderson.com or on Facebook. But be looking out for that name change. I haven't just landed on my my new business name yet, but it's coming. It's a yeah. coming. That's all right. You know, well, I mean, like 2018, Rachel would have had massive anxiety about something like that. Like, what am I going to pick? Like, what am I going to do? Like, how's it going to affect my business? But it's just like, if I was smart, I would do just what you just did, which was like, just start transitioning. Just heads up. Here's how I recognize, but here's where I'm going. I mean, yeah. I mean that with like everything. Heads up. I'm an intimacy coach, but eventually I want to do coaching full time. And I don't want to be selling anybody product. I know I see your crazy ass cat in the background. Uh, yeah, oh, they're okay. both I just, of them. Yeah. I just have to apologize because they're chasing each other. I swear to God, Brett feeds them crack in the morning because by mid-afternoon, they are like ninja jumping over furniture and chasing after each other. And so if you hear loud banging in the background, it's just my cats. Well, via your Zoom, which is funny because via my Zoom, it's supposed to be my child who's supposed to be taking a nap who's banging against the wall that I share with her. So it is just, yeah. that is what it is like being moms who work, I suppose. All right. So yes. yeah, Jess is still quarantining, um, coming at the tail end of that here pretty soon, I think. But yes. thankfully, yes. still asymptomatic. The household's doing well, which is good. Yes, yes. We're all in good spirits, and every Brett is the only person out of the entire family that tested positive, so we're we're thinking that maybe he got a false positive, but we're still playing it safe. And sure, sure. Especially because we're 32 weeks pregnant, so that's eight months today. Holy we're eight months pregnant. I can't even believe it. I can't even believe it, but so exciting, and what a great time. Uh, so um, they should probably know where they can find you, right? <laughs> all right, so that... Huh. Well, I thought you just told them you were changing your name, your business name. Did you tell them where to find you? Yeah, Photos with Anderson or on Facebook. Oh, I got so distracted by the conversation, I spaced it. Okay, cool. So, Jess and I were just talking about one streamlined way to find me, which is not in existence quite yet. So, right now, you got to find me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash rachelvote.12 or something like that. Okay, but you you can find me here. You can message me if you're having – I doubt you're having a hard time finding me if you're listening to this podcast. I'm just saying, okay? Um, vote for parties on Instagram. Uh, VIP page, 18 years or older, you gotta be feminine energy to be a part of it. Climbing organically to 4,000 members, which I'm so excited about. Um, we will get there by the end of 2020. I, I am stoked. Um, and some really cool events happening, not only with, uh, that page, but kind of cross-herring the, um, coaching. So make sure you get in touch with me. You got empowerment classes coming up. One-to-one -one sessions fully rolling right now. Uh, really great way to, if you are a full believer in New Year's resolutions, I am not, but I don't pop your bubble if that's how you roll. Get yourself motivated in any way, shape, or form. What a great way to kick it off if you started right now working on yourself. And when you start right. working on yourself, if you feel, well, I don't feel anything different. Nothing feels like it's sticking. I don't get change. Uh, change does not really happen for me, then maybe that's when we should talk. If you feel like you got some discord, some anxiety, some worry going on, and you can't get it to ease, that's when that's when I come in. Let's just chalk. Let, let's just, I said let's just chalk is what I said, but I meant to say chat and talk. All right, so um, we just pulled a topic out of the hat. <laughs> <laughs> like we always do. Yeah, only kind of, sort of. Um, so I told Jess what I, I decided I wanted to talk about today was... I don't know how you even want to call it. Like, let's just talk about 
body image, weight, weight release, weight loss, diets, all the gamut, I guess. Nutrition. Nutrition, like. sure. Yeah, I don't know. But um, here's what I'll tell you. Like, I love that I can have this conversation and not be ashamed of it or even have any worry attached to it. Uh, the reason it's, it's, it's pulling at me is because, like, um, I'm going to use this term loosely because it has such a negative connotation, but I got a little lazy. And um, lazy implies that I kind of gave up, which is not what happened. So mm -hmm. um, if for people who've been following the journey, oh, that was my husband, sorry. Um, <clears throat> I've released 80 pounds, and that's, like a, that's yeah, that's my all-time high, like, um, maybe 90? I don't remember. Like, I was, I was like 15, 15 away from hitting 100 is what it was for sure. But anyway... Um, lots of clean eating, uh, cleaner, I would say cleaner eating than I was doing, which is not in comparison to, let's say, a pure vegan or vegetarian or whatever, but cleaner eating, intermittent fasting, um, nutritional awareness, emotional healing, therapy, life coaching, all of that was 100% a cog in the wheel. Um, and then when I started going through spirituality growth this year, and the connection between psychology and spirituality and uh, physiologically and spirituality. So all of the stuff that, you know, how much power your brain has over your body and the ability to heal and blah, 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 blah. So all the woohoo-y aspects of nutrition, I would say. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I've always been somebody that was just innately, I never, it was never judgment on anybody else. Like I just never, never was really into taking medication. I've never really taken even aspirin much. Um, except for like menstrual cramping or that's really it. Like I, I would even tough a headache out, um, for the most part, um, surgeries. I did not appreciate drug meds, drug meds, prescription meds, Which pain is, meds. I guess that's like, that's something that I didn't know about you per se, but is really funny because it's just another thing that we have in common because like, even with yeah, this I pregnancy, mean, you, like, you just don't talk about it, right? Like nobody really no. talks about it. Well, and, like, when you tell people that, like, you don't, I don't take Tylenol, I don't take aspirin, the only thing that I've been taking through this pregnancy, other than multi, like, the pregnancy vitamins, is Tums. Like, my doctors keep offering to prescribe me medication for heartburn, and I'm like, I don't need it. Like, yes, I could see the benefits from it, but I personally already put so much crap in my body yeah. via the food that I eat. Yeah. Like, I don't need to add more chemicals I literally just, to my body. I literally just wrote that on my notes. I literally yep. wrote feel better sugar cho chocolate addiction. That's so funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's important. Yeah, for sure that you, you brought that up because that's what, that's what it was odd to me is like, when I look back on it, it was never like even a comparison over like, it's not like a no, I'm not going to take your aspirin. It was just like, no, it's just not something that appeals to me or I think, feel like I, maybe it was always like, I didn't feel like I needed it. Like to me, yeah. it was like the pain needed to be more intolerable or, Whatever. I don't know. But, um, so we were talking about, yeah. So yeah, like, like I would say like with, uh, whenever, like when I had surgery and they prescribed uh -huh. this, I don't know if you've ever seen this bizarre contraption, like it's a medicine ball, like that has to hang around your neck and yeah. the tubes that go into your body. So it just like dispenses pain meds. So after I had, um, the stomach surgery for weight loss, I had to wear that thing around my neck. And, um, liquid, whatever, hydrocodone, liquid hydrocodone mm -hmm. gives me vivid nightmares, vivid uh -huh. nightmares. Like never in my life. Oh God. Like it was night two and I'm like, mm -mm. um, 
But here's what's kind of crazy. So I was wearing this thing around my neck for like a week after surgery, right? And my sister, who's a nurse, like I was like, do I have to like go into the doctor? Because like they were like, gonna, you know, my follow-up surgery or my follow-up was like they were going to remove the tubes. Like to me, just as pointless as my post-C-section surgery uh, where they removed the staples. Like I laid on a table for 45 minutes for them just to pull out staples, which I could have done at my house, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I mean, like, and I say that only because there was no physical check. There was like no internal check. Like there was nothing for that yeah. particular appointment. So anyway, so like I see my sister and I, like, she's like, well, I could maybe take a peek. Like if you trust that I could take it. I'm like, yeah, just whatever. Like I'm over this and I'm like, I'm not going to sleep with this hydrocodone stuff anyway. So it'd been like a week. And, like, there, you have this, like, little dial thing that you could, like, adjust it, supposedly. Like, I see my sister, and she's like, how long have you been wearing that? And it's, like, like this big. I had to, like, wear it. Like, this, it, like, it was so, wow. oh, anyway. You can't see me on podcast, but it was, like, a softball size. Like, a small softball. Bigger than a baseball, smaller than a softball, I would say. She's like, as that dispenses into your body, that ball is supposed to shrink. She's like, that should have been, like, flat by now. She's like, like, your medicine ball is full. She's like, you haven't had, like, like, besides, like, it was the pills I was taking that was the hydrocodone is what it was. That's why. That's why I'd stopped taking those. I was still wearing the medicine ball, like, for a week or whatever. She's like, yeah, so you really haven't had any pain meds all week. And I'm like, that's kind of crazy. That's, that's kind of weird, you know? Um, yeah. So anyways, like... I've just never been, like, I will take my antibiotics, obviously. I know that if you saw that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, cats. There's cats around the I'll try not to like announce it because it's hilarious. But um, <laughs> you know, I will take. I understand that if you don't take your prescription medications, what that does is makes it harder for your body to rebound the next time because you make your body more resistant to it. So I exactly. do follow through with my antibiotics when things like that come across. But like, yeah, pain meds. Like, I mean, when I had Olivia. They they were telling me, you know, they wanted me to probably be there for two days because it was a C-section surgery. And I was like, F that noise. Like, I know what my body's capable of. I was like baby deer wobbling around. Like, the nurses, the second nurse that came in, she was giggling because she said that the first nurse was like, they said they'd never seen anybody get up that fast after a C-section. I was like, um, you told me as long as I could try it, I was going to try it. Like, my legs were definitely still tingly, but I was like, let's do this. Anyway, um... So, that's just like a whole other conversation for another day. And I think it's also important that I state, in my personal opinion, that it, I have, again, no um, judgment. I have been somebody who's taken prescription medication, like antidepressants and things like that in the past. They just didn't, I just don't feel like they worked personally for me, like these other methods that I've searched out to. Which, by the way, I will say, antidepressants was like a decade ago that I was taking those. And I still didn't feel like I had relief necessarily from my depression. It was just that I stopped taking stay, taking the pills because I personally wasn't feeling a difference. And so I think it's very important to say that I, I don't want to say that I suffered for five years alone because that's not what it was. I wasn't, I was just choosing to live in that state of mind because I didn't know any better, right? So, um, yeah, the places that I'm at now feel a little bit better with meditation and CBD and so on and so forth. But when it comes to diet, um, you know, when we're classifying, in my opinion, the five areas that you're looking at, putting some focus into if you're looking for a well-rounded life. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I should have turned all my stuff off. Let me just exit out of that stuff real quick. Um, things you want to consider. Your wealth, which is more than just the money in your bank. Your relationships, 
your mental and physical well-being, your spirituality, and or your passion. <clears throat> passion can come from your job, but often does not. So you want to make sure that you have growth and contribution some other way, shape, or form, whether it's through a church organization, volunteering your time, whatever, so on and so forth. Okay, so when people start putting focus into those, what I often find is very common is that people usually have an Everest, which is what we've talked about. Now, the thing that's confusing about that is that you probably think you know what your Everest is. You might not have any idea, but even for those who think they know, you could be severely incorrect. <laughs> yeah, which you have found out personally a couple yeah. of times. A couple of, yeah, ironically, a couple of times. A yep. couple of times, for sure. Um, yes, I thought from day one when I just kind of clarified what personal development was for me on working on those five things, I was like, damn, diet for sure absolutely going to be health and wellness. I am, I'm going to be fat. That's going to be the thing that's going to come last. Like I'm going to be rich and fat. I'm going to be, you know, in the best relationships and fat. Like I just, that was, I mean, I could have convinced myself of that. Maybe, I don't know, but <sighs> spoiler alert. It's not true. Like, I could totally tell you the whole story, but that's a conversation for a different day. Um, I sit here before you being able to tell you that through dropping the weight that I did and being able to keep it off, for roughly a year now, I know I will never be 250 pounds again. Like, I could have never said that with such conviction in any other time, even with surgery. Like, I could envision losing the weight, but I don't, I think that I was always still nervous, like, about keeping it off. Yeah. And that's why I had made the lap bands as tight as it could physically be, which was so so miserable to try to enjoy any kind of eating whatsoever oh yeah it's for me it's funny because my what I thought was my Everest was changing my eating habits and was cutting out certain categories of food like sweets because I've always been an ice cream person and just I thought that that was going to be my Everest and all it took <laughs> very sarcastically was me getting pregnant to realize that I am not glued to those. I am not so addicted to those foods that I, it's impossible for me to change my eating habits because baby girl for the first 20 weeks of my pregnancy wanted nothing to do with any sugar or sweets or ice cream. I think it was really dairy that, that like I had an aversion to, but a lot of the sweets that I eat are very heavy dairy foods. So it wasn't, I'm not, I'm, I'm definitely not advocating that if you want to lose weight, just go get pregnant. But it was eye-opening to me because it proved to me that that's not my Everest. Because if it really was, then I would have been, you know, guzzling down ice, gallons of ice cream, even though I was miserable and was getting sick from it while I was pregnant. Like, I literally bought a gallon of ice cream and it sat unopened in our refrigerator for two months, which or our freezer, which has never happened in my adult life. Like, I usually buy ice cream and eat half of the container the first night we have it. So like it just it it guess it reassured me or it showed me that changing my diet or the way that I eat is possible. Yeah. So it's pregnancy was very eye opening for me, and now I'm just ready to not be pregnant. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, almost there. So almost. Yeah. So what I wanted to talk about today, like I, I'm gonna, I'll run briefly through like what were some aha moments for me because it's definitely one of the very first pe questions people often ask me, and I'm glad we're putting it into a podcast because when people come to me, um, here's the thing, like really fast. Another recap on this is like as we've talked about. I mean, and Jess is one of the the 
forefront having a front seat in my personal development. She's been there since I started it, even when I wasn't actively talking about doing it. Um, and, and I say that because she knows that there was change in me that was genuine, authentic, that I was searching, that I was changing, whatever, whatever. I was becoming a softer human being. Um, but the external world that were outside of my organization or my immediate family couldn't necessarily see that because they weren't as close to me. And it took the visual representation of losing, quote unquote, don't use that term, releasing weight, the physical appearance for the connection to go, whoa, like there was a, there was a magnifying glass on me, obviously, during that entire process. I dropped 50 pounds the year of the wedding. Um, so combine that with the 30 I kind of been losing back and forth from the surgery that that's where the 80 came from. And that's what I've been able to keep off for a year now. So when people ask me like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Cause that's what floods my inbox these days. I tell them you don't want to know. And they're like, yes, I do. No, you don't. You want the quick fix. You want the get thin overnight, have great sex tomorrow, million dollars in the bank. You can always win the lottery y'all. But first of all, you know, that most of those people go broke again or worse they're off okay and second of all you can win the lottery but is it the way you really want to earn your experiences like it's yeah it'd be magical nobody's denying that but would you rather just know what your capability is of creating it doesn't have to be millions of dollars but the experience of your lifetime of not yeah. of all lifetime of your lifetime so which is better right so um, you know, that's what lap band surgery was for me. Like that's, <clears throat> that's another story too for another day. All right. I chose the lap band though, because I truly believed that if I gave myself some accountability versus having a stomach staple or doing gastric, which again is not a judgment. It was just my personal decision. I felt like I would have to be more accountable because it would still force me to make decisions. Like when you are gastric, like you definitely have things you are meh, never eat again, or you could become severely ill and sick and whatever. doesn't matter. Um, so diet. Okay. Now, um, when I started to get kind of serious about focusing on getting, um, better healthfully, the first thing, like I had said, like with the weight loss, I, diet and exercise to me was the Everest combined, I think. For sure. Mm -hmm. So exercise came way too easily for me. Like I really thought that I would, I mean, I think that was the problem is that I struggled for so long with the diet side of things that I was, I finally, you know, on the conversation we we're having right before the podcast, when you told me that you just felt like the relief, that's the, that's the letting go of the resistance, right? That's yeah. what it is. And so to me, that's what it was, was it was like, F this. I'm tired <laughs> of trying the diet thing. I'm tired of telling myself that I will get, like I'll get active when I've lost 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds, whatever. I'm just gonna, not going to change my diet at all. I'm not going to change anything except for intermittent fasting because that's been working for me. I'm not going to change anything about what I eat, however, nothing. But I'm going to start moving my body. I'm going to do the least embarrassing thing at the gym, which was ride the recumbent bike um, in the front so I couldn't, even if people could see me, I didn't know they could see me. I couldn't see other eyeballs on me. 
um, extra layers of clothing for when I sweat like a wildebeest and earbuds in my ears and I found the most rocking fucking playlist to motivate me which turned <clears throat> um, to audiobooks at some point which turned to TED Talks which led to crying uh, while I was <laughs> exercising just so you guys know um, it was very there uh, like I would say probably four four to four and a half maybe five times there was instances where I cried while I was working out from having these profound aha moments of clarity of, about some type of connection. It was just insane. Never have I had that much. Like, I think that the, the energy and the increasing um, everything that's going on in your body just kind of accelerates that. So it's like pinpoint laser focus. Like, it's just you can see why people can win gold medals when they are in that type of mindset. It's just very powerful. Um, so <clears throat> when... Um, this year began, we started going to yoga, which was just a life, lifelong dream of mine. Oh my God, I'm such a hippie. I've been hippie from day one. <laughs> I've been a hippie from day one. I would not, I never did it though previously because I was overweight and um, that's it. Simple reason. So when I started feeling more comfortable in my body and I started doing yoga, uh, we started doing yoga together and then we had to self-quarantine and social distance. Yeah. Yep. And I started doing it at home, which was okay. It wasn't a problem. Um, and I... Much, 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 much to my delight. Adore how limber it keeps me and makes my body feel long and lean and strong. And um, it's just crazy. I recommend everybody do it. And if you if you don't feel like you you can try, you should try chair yoga. Okay, just do it. Um, plus, it's great for sex, just so you know. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> during that process... Luckily for me, I was able to kind of connect the health and wellness of moving my body with the educational side of nutrition, which was accidental. I kind of fell into learning my naivete about nutrition. And I think that is one of the most important conversations we need to have. I think that so I'm sure some families are better about it than I was, I am for sure, but what I mean, like, like when you compare like a young family of like two 20 year olds with a, a two, two year old, right? Like, I'm sure that there's two, like 22 year olds out there that eat very cleanly and organically and no, but in my household, food was fed to me. It was not talked about, um, and not in a negative light. It wasn't withholding. It was just that I'm pretty sure my parents, parents never told them about like nutrition. And, and by the way, you have to also take into consideration how many things were changing not only in terms of what was coming <clears throat> coming into the kitchens and grocery stores from convenience factor from fresh to frozen to whatever whatever and then everything we have now but also um discussions about carbs and fats and what's the best so all of these things right so anyways my my takeaway from that rant is that you you just can't blame anybody you can't be mad at your parents i've never been mad at my parents even though um, you know, I have mentioned before I was high cholesterol before I was in kindergarten. Um, I, there's nothing to hold any resentment to because I, I just don't think they knew what they were doing either. Like they did the best they could with what they had. Well, I say that, right? So <laughs> I know that you had a very similar, um, I would say like maybe nutritional exposure, like being middle class. Well, and I, I'm a nineties baby through and through, like I was born in 93, but I very much so had the craft mac and cheese experience growing up where we ate everything came in a box everything was pre-packaged pre-portioned we had lunchables for lunch we like you know because we didn't eat hot lunch for many years um at school we we packaged so we had white bread sandwiches with a bag of chips and a soda or a juice box 
And to me, that was healthy food because that was what my parents were sending to, like, were giving to me. So in well into my 20s, I viewed those food choices as healthy food choices because this is what I grew up on. And this is what somebody it, I know, like, and trust provided to me. Yes. Yeah. And it did not, like, in my head, even though in my early 20s, I was already 300 pounds, it did not click to me that, hey, even though my this is what my parents provided me growing up and into my teenage years, maybe this isn't, like, the best food I could be eating. Um, and I, I joke all the time because I... I declared my vegetarianism, I can't even say that word, I became a vegetarian in high school, I think it was high school, um, my my stepsister actually, she was a vegan for when, when I when I first met her, when, when um, our families first became family, um, she was a vegan, and so I learned a lot about nutrition from her, um, but it was scare tactic, um, kind of like fear-based don't eat meat kind of things and so I that was kind of my introduction into eating vegetarian like that as a vegetarian but then it, it quickly became I did not like the texture of many meat so I didn't want to eat meat anymore so I just to kind of you know a big f you to my mom and my stepdad who uh, my stepdad is a farmer through and through and likes big big chunks of meat um for every meal and Previously to that, I was like, meat doesn't come in a box. Our family doesn't eat it. Like, we eat meat, but we eat, like, hot dogs and, like, pro very over-processed. So I did not like the texture of, like, a slab of beef or a pork chop or whatever. I just didn't like the texture. I wasn't used to it. Anyways, long story. Um, I became a vegetarian. I, I want to say it was maybe, like, freshman year of high school or around that time. But it, I joke and I say it all the time now, I was not a true vegetarian because I still did not eat vegetables. I ate a lot more pasta. Right, I was a pastatarian right. for three years and then, or four years, because it was like right after high school, I confessed to my best friend that I was just really craving like a Big Mac. Like I just really wanted a freaking hamburger because I had gone years without it just to say F you to my stepdad. Um, and so anyways, after high school, I went back to eating junk and crap. Like it didn't matter if it was meat or, or processed food. Like I just was eating crap. And then I did, I watched a documentary. Um, this was, well, I was like 24 at the time. I watched a documentary about veganism and about the health benefits of it. And I was just like, as a challenge to myself to see if I could change my eating habits, I was like, I'm going to try this for 90 days. I'm going to see if I can make it three months of eating strict vegan. And I did it literally the second that that documentary ended, I went, I went to my pantry, cleaned out everything that wasn't vegan, called a friend and said, Hey, come pick up this stuff. I have like, I have food for you. And she did. She came that night, picked it all up, took it away. And for almost a full calendar year, I ate strict vegan, but I ate what they call dirty vegan. Almost, It's like dirty keto almost. Um, I did not, I still did not eat vegetables. I still did not eat things that would like were, would have been healthy. I found all of the loopholes, all of the junk, like Oreos are vegan. I had a shit ton of Oreos that year. I found Oreo or vegan ice cream. That was really good. Like I still ate processed crap. And so I, I didn't lose a ton of weight. I felt fantastic because I wasn't weighed down by all of that dairy and trans fat. And it, it felt amazing. And then I had a moment of weakness and I broke down and I really wanted nacho cheese. 
So I gorged myself on freaking like a gallon. It wasn't that much, but it felt like a gallon of, of nacho cheese. And after not having dairy in my system for almost a full calendar year, my entire system, like sinus system, shut down. And I had the worst sinus infection and double ear infection that lasted over 30 days. I, like I, I, at that point, I was so irritated that I was just like, screw being vegan. If it means that I like the one time I have cheese in my diet, I'm going to get super sick. Like that's too strict for me. I'm not going to do it. And then it just fell by the wayside. So I went back to eating vegetarian for a while, but again, it wasn't true vegetarian. It was just pastatarian. And then I, you know, met this wonderful man that's now my husband who um, is very much so I eat whatever he wants. And nobody's going to tell him different. And it was just, it became real. I, I became really comfortable in my relationship and it, I became really lazy in what I, in what I wanted to eat or like how strict I wanted to be a vegetarian. So I started eating crap again and started eating meat again. So it's this long, big old journey, but it all stemmed from growing up in the nineties and everything was served to you in a box. So still today, anytime we go grocery shopping, I have to get my Kraft mac and cheese and I have to get like my boxed pastas for when I'm eating alone, because I know that that's something that I'll eat, <laughs> but I know that it's not healthy. <laughs> It's well, just carbs. you know, I think what's really important is like, so I hope that people are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to tune out because all they're going to talk about is vegetarian veganism. And it's not that at no. all. I think like, honestly, I would love for you to actually stay tuned because I really want to talk about carnivore diet and how that's worked. And I know it's worked for people and so on and so forth. So, um, when it comes to those things you're talking about, like that's the, that's the thing is like, I think what really changed for me was I watched this Ted talk where this guy was talking about, like, I don't know if you have to, he may have given it a term, but it's like, why does it have to be that you're carnivore or vegan or vegetarian? Why can't you just be a human who maybe only eats meat four days a week? Why, why can't it be that you're just a human who chooses that your condiments are all vegan or um, sugar-free or something like that's all that it really takes in my opinion now that I've been able to stand on the side of the fence for as long as I have and learned more about my body personally which I think is the biggest thing is that people are so much looking for a meal delivery system or a points program system or something that will work for them because it's worked for so many other people yeah it will like there's obviously science behind it that it does but the important thing to remember is that everybody's bodies are different there's a reason why you have blonde hair blue eyes you know big toes whatever you want to say you know that that's something to take into consideration is that carbohydrates might work okay very well in somebody's body and maybe they don't work so well in somebody else's it doesn't mean something's wrong with you it also doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be fearful of any type of scarcity or missing out because there's so many amazing things out there and options that that's where it kind of just like um i think it's important to talk about um a little bit more in depth so for me one of the connecting pieces was like I, we were talking about like the exposure to the naivete meaning like i didn't really realize like how how much i had leaned on what my parents had just let me eat and assuming just the same as you had that food is food if they're giving it to me it's got to be safe i gotta trust what my parents would do for me right and same thing about meat texture, by the way. That was one of the biggest things that turns me away from it, too. And it's important <laughs> to note that I grew up eating meat as well. So, and I still eat. I just had it after my lunch. I had chicken in it. So, just so you know. Um, and almost vegan is maybe what I'd like to call myself. So, 
I digress. <laughs> Tony's mom was here visiting, and um, she had been doing keto for a while, and she had been dropping a lot of weight, and she looked fantastic. I think by that time, she had lost 50 pounds. And so we were talking about fasting and how uh, there was the science behind it, like the just giving your body a break from processing food, basically. And that was so basic and simple for me to go, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so, uh-huh. so I'm intrigued enough to learn more. What does this mean, right? So... So then she starts talking to me about like her philosophy about the the relief she was feeling about not having her life revolve around food. She's like, don't you ever think about how it's just like weddings, baby showers, graduations, vacations, holidays, even wakes, funerals, the anything, everything revolves around everything, everything revolves around eating. When even, not in, even in your everyday life, like right, like bad yeah. habit, old me thinking like if I'm out and about and it's any time between twelve and one thirty, I better stop and get food because it's lunchtime, so I better eat. You know yes. what I mean? Well, even like you know, Brett and I had a little argument or fight this weekend or earlier this week, and he said he told me and it like hurt to my core, but I knew I know that he was just being lovingly, but he's like, I knew you were upset when you when you turned down eating out. He's like, when you said that you didn't want to eat out and you, that you would find something to eat at home, he's like, I knew you were really upset with me about something. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I didn't know what, it, I didn't know what it was. But when you said, no, you didn't want Da Vinci's, he's like, he's like, I was like, oh shit, I know she's upset. And uh, I was like, that's funny. How, that's like, so funny. personally, like, I'm not mad at him for saying it, but I was just like, how, dis- like, that made me feel so disgusting for myself that that, like, my, my what is it your emotional trigger that's your breaking point (laughs) and like people know me based on my food habits like that they associate like certain food habits with me and so I was just like that's not what I want to be known for I don't want like I don't want those habits like I I don't want to be known for those habits yeah I mean but I I see what you're saying because I could see that too like I could absolutely see Tony going hey you want to order veggies and I go no he goes everything okay babe (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that as well. Um, but also, just as a perspective shift, right? How, how sweet, though, for your partner to be so in tune to know that that's a that's a thing for you, you know? So I know, but I like my pregnant hormones wanted to like choke him out and be like, "Don't you ever say that about me ever again?" Like, just say that you could tell that I was upset. Don't say you turned down food, <laughs> so clearly you're upset. Like, I was so mortified when he said that. <laughs> Uh, you turned down food. Yeah, that's, oh, what it, yeah. Like, that's what it came off as, is you turned down food, something's wrong, and I'm just like, shut up. Like, that's so oh funny. my God. Okay. And you so, feel like a fat cow. That's so funny. So, yeah, so, so she says that to me, and that was like, that was an aha moment right there, was like, that's what I want. I want I want relief around this. I like, I am choosing when I, this is a harsh word to use, but I want you to hear me when I say, I'm choosing to be a slave to food. Like, I am putting myself in chains and shackles about this. Nobody else is doing it, but that was because that was just the way that it was. Everybody else I had known before me had done that or at least adopted into my environment about the way food was. Even my husband, when we first started dating, like, I told him, like, I'm a huge snacker. He's like, I rarely snack. I can tell you that over the last eight years, if he was telling me the truth, then I broke him. Okay? (laughs) So, um... And that just, I mean, that's just like what you talked about too. That's just about getting comfortable in relationships and so on and so forth. But so, um, when I was, when I was actively cardioing, cardio, cardioing, there's the right word. <laughs> it makes sense that like, 
like that was, I mean, the weight was rapidly dropping off when I started working out at the same time as intermittent fasting and started just being a little bit cleaner about what I was eating. Um, so it started to fall off quickly. And I, um, well, that, that, let me just leave that. Cause what I was getting back to cycling through was that, um, through the cleaner eating and then the spirituality connection here in this year, right. And the power of understanding your body that you basically have more control than you think. And here's the thing that keeps blowing my mind that I can't stop thinking about. By the way, if you've never heard of this this uh, book called Gulp by Mary Roach, I highly recommend it. It's an incredibly humorous book about nutrition and your body and the way that they interact with one another. And if you can kind of understand physiologically why your fuel that goes into your mouth is so important and what it does, it may help you reshape your brain a little bit about food because you'll start so you'll stop looking at it so much as a comfort or anything other than the thing that keeps your body going. And when you can grasp your mind around that, the book was so crucial for me at that point in my life. You do nothing with your food except enjoy it for the three and a half seconds that you chew it in your mouth. As soon as it hits your throat, you no longer taste it. You no longer taste it. Now granted, if you're eating something bad for your body, you're gonna feel it, right? Like your intestines or your gassy or whatever. But the actual enjoyment process of it stops after you're done chewing and bye-bye okay that was a revelation for me just kind of recently because like oh I, I one of the tricks i'm sure people have probably heard like if you're trying to work on being more mindful about eating is you know take a bite put your fork down and chew 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 pay attention and that was like that was even a habit that they tried to get you to do with latvian because they wanted you to chew your food small so it didn't get stuck and that was always hard for me to do because it was almost just like boring to be like i'm chewing my food i'm chewing my food i'm chewing my food well, when I was blessed to have my husband who just cooks these incredibly flavorful dinners and f food in general, right, you know, it was easier to become more intentional because I was like, oh my God, like the cilantro is so fresh. Oh my God, like I would have never thought to combine these vegetables. And, oh my God, I'm so grateful that my taste buds have evolved that I can eat this thing that I wouldn't have ate as a child. You know, it changed because it was much more of the savoring aspect and appreciation of the the love behind the meal, not only from my husband, but from the restaurant we ordered from, whoever cooked it for us, or the preparation of the farmers who made the wheat to go in the Oreos that I'm now eating. Like, it's very hippie-ish, but it, again, it's abundance of gratitude, and which also, again, slows all of that down. You know, I will sit at the dinner table in, in my hippie, hippie world, like, like, watching all my boys going... None of them are thinking about any of this dorky stuff that I'm thinking. They're just shovel, <laughs> shovel, 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 which is, and there's no judgment because that was Rachel too, but this is the thing that works for me. So, <clears throat> so, you know, having that appreciation for that and then flipping it into this, well, now I don't really need to eat as often because like now I understand, right? Like the, the sugar crap that I'm craving, that's another conversation for another day, right? All that stuff, that's not necessary. So once I broke myself of those by eating healthier alternatives like sweet potato brownies over three s'mores a night right it still satiated the craving of sugar but much more healthfully um and just doing those types of things subtly or process of elimination of what would be sufficient enough to replace the urge or need that i'm binging sugar to sweet sugar or uh crunchy to sweet crunchy to sweet is my thing crunchy to sweet <laughs> uh salty to sweet i guess would be a better way to say that but anyway um so then I started realizing, like, and you might get, and I say to you audience-wise, you might get to this point where 
spirituality kind of invokes this power within you that your body's just the body. It's just the shell. Um, that's why you have mind, body, soul. Okay. Body is just the thing. Your mind is the thing that controls and communicates everything within your body, but your soul is the thing that will leave once you die. Brain and everything else stays here. So those are the three components, right? So if you're soul is the thing that really has the control, right? Because the soul is the thing that creates the thoughts. Thoughts are just things you think over and over and become beliefs. So if you believe anything about yourself, which could be I'm healthy, I have a high immunity system, I whatever, whatever, whatever you want to put to thoughts to beliefs is what becomes, right? My body is self-healing. We know that. We know that. But I was reading this book about talking about like how this guy who was like, really woohoo we like chopped his thumb off and only three drops of blood came out like you can it's, it's whatever you can add really that's weird rachel full story <laughs> message me because it's really kind of cool actually but anyway um the the conditioning of that the conditioning of that i have that much control you know i believe that i have a higher immunity system than others not because of because of woohoo spiritualness but because i'm immunity boosted because i move my body because I cleaner eat because I have cleaner, like better emotions and so on and so forth. That's a truth. That's a truth for me as a truth for me. So, um, it doesn't matter necessarily if you think vegetarianism works better over carnivore or not, because it is your belief system that's most important. And so why I say that is because that's what happened to me in 2020 is that I slid into this. Well, if I have that much power over my body, then physical, Physical exercise really isn't as important as I was thinking it was going to have to be for me because I'm not a marathon runner, because I'm not a caveman who needs to run away from dinosaurs. So God is not going to punish me if my personal development does not include training for a marathon. I came yeah. to grips with that earlier this year and it was, it was relief because now, now I know I have the capability to work out and I feel very proud of myself and very good about that. But I also have let it go that it has to be something that I have to do. Um, but I will say that yoga is something I have to do because it just makes me feel good. It just, and it's a low level activity. Okay. So then translate that into diet, right? Well, if I have this control, if my, if my soul has control over what to tell my mind to tell my body to do. Okay. I'll, I, I digress because I talked about the, the thumb chopping off. Right. So if you have, if this guy says like you have this much control, not just this guy, by the way, like lots of high leaders in spirituality and belief you have that much control over your body, right? It's, it is self-healing. You get a hangnail by, by how long, anything, anything, how long does it take before the blood flow stops in a small amount, right? Like it can be a couple of minutes or under. It starts to coagulate and it's, it heals itself. That's what's, that's literally what's happening is your, your cells are working so quickly together. Heal the body, heal the body, heal the body. Blood stops, right? Next day there's a scab. Why? Because that's technically the freshest, newest skin your body has ever seen. It healed itself overnight, right? But it continues that healing process until what happens. If you leave it alone, your skin will completely go back to normal, right? But if you pick and pull at it, then your cells are going to come back, go heal the body, heal the body, heal the body, and try to aggressively grow new skin for you. And you pick at it again, and it's going to keep trying and keep trying until it forms a scar because it's like, F you fingers, this is our <laughs> job to save the body. We're going to keep doing it, right? So your body already does that. We, we know that's physically true, right? Like, I mean, in my example, I, I believe, right? So if you know the body already does that, then the mind doesn't have to fight it. Like by saying, like, if I'm eating this ho-ho, shame on me, blah, 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 blah. Well, no wonder I used to get fat because that's exactly what I would tell myself. And then I would, I would interject all this negative energy, which is not good for you. So then you're in that cycle, right? But if I eat the ho-ho these days, I can go, I'm aware 
that this is a full burst of energy because it's it's simple sugar and complex and not complex carbohydrates. So it's not great for me, but it's also not as poisonous as I was trying to lead myself to believe so I would stick so highly to the veganism. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's all of that freedom in the diet side of it. And so that's why I think it's so important because, like, I have no qualms about anybody judging me because I'm almost vegan or because the last six months I stopped working out or whatever. Like, that was that was kind of a fear of mine for not keeping in the cycle of consistency. But for a while there, the truth of the matter is that I kind of just lost interest in food. Like, it was just, like, understanding what I started to learn. It was like, so really food doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, it's only fuel, so I'm not even going to enjoy it. And I'm like, that's really silly. While you're on planet Earth, and you have taste buds and you have an amazing husband who cooks you can enjoy it and be okay with it so i i do believe i have like almost complete freedom from um from the dieting side of things quote unquote i'll never diet again but that that does not make me immune to the actual sugar addiction which is separate because the chemical reaction that happens within my body is real Y'all, because it's not what your body should be running on. And again, the argument is not about whether you should be carnivore or vegetarian or veganism. Um, you can be any of those things. And I believe in my core, what it truly comes down to is like, a, one, I said that all bodies are different, but we all came from somewhere. So maybe your ancestry is coastal. So that's why fish make the most sense for your diet. Maybe your family comes most for, mostly from Italy and that's why carbs work really well in your diet because that's what that lineage grew up eating all the time. In a healthy manner, by the way, as you mentioned before. Like you don't have to be like, you know, completely unhealthy from having carbs in your life, right? My sister is like the most carnivore person I know in real life. And she is one of the most fit people I know. I believe that carnivore would definitely be um, something that you could consider for yourself if maybe that's part of your lineage. If something inside me has been fighting meat from day one. I know that. I know that. And I've tolerated it. And I believe that when it became more processed, it made it more manageable for me to eat because it no longer resembled me. And that's just yeah. my opinion. I just feel that my body feels best as I eat cleaner in that regard. So it's not an argument about that. I do recommend you just kind of figure out what works best for you. But what I would say is something that people should consider is like, um, let's talk about like gluten. Okay. Let's talk to, like, I don't care where you stand on that. Some people are annoyed when people talk about being gluten free, blah, 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 blah. I believe in my heart of hearts that people are all lactose intolerant and probably all gluten intolerant. But the thing is, is that it's the level of severity. Like gluten and me, as far as I know, are probably okay. But I guarantee you if I cut gluten out, I'd probably start feeling a little bit better the same way you talked about cutting dairy out of your life, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that the, the thing that we need, because like I know that we've got dairy farmers and whatever, whatever. Like this is not that argument again. But it is it is something to consider when we're the only species out there eating and drinking the only other species milk and goat you know, like goat milk and whatever like nobody else does that nobody else turns product that way of course animals eat raw animals but we're not them we're not carnivores in that manner does that all make sense or is that too screwy wait no i think it makes sense because like again this is not me trying to like force veganism on other people but what really made sense to me is like i have never drink like drank cow's milk for for fun like a, like a glass of white milk like that's not me. I don't enjoy it. Like it makes me gag. Now, if you put chocolate and sugar in it, heck yeah, I'll enjoy a glass of it. Cause I like cheese. sugar. Cheese the same uh, way melted. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Mixed, but whatever. Yep. It, the, the biggest thing that made sense to me when I listened or watched that documentary about, about becoming vegan is that 
we are the only species of, of animal that drinks the milk that that literally is designed for that baby animal for that baby version of that animal so like has its own specific physiology physiology as well as anatomy and needs and so on and so forth dna all that yeah cow's milk is meant for baby cows we are not baby cows and when you start to look at like even just raw cow's milk like it still has different hormones in it that are not meant for human consumption like then they you know process and add all this other junk into it so then it's really not good for humans but it's just it's the norm it's what we grew up and what society deemed as acceptable for us to drink so that's what people like to drink now i personally just don't drink milk i don't drink almond milk i don't drink like any soy milk anything it's just not my cup of tea like it's not for me but i don't shame people like brett brett could drink milk by the gallons it seems like sometimes I mean, um, the kids, like their mother is, um, I, I believe that she's a vegan or she, she's, you know, leans towards the vegan side of things. So the kids really enjoy almond milk. Totally cool. I'll buy it for you. If you're going to drink it and it has some nutritional value for you. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I, like for me personally, it's not my thing. I'm not going to, I'm not going to use it. Now I will say that I do use cow's milk for cooking, just like I use, um, like butter and stuff like that for cooking, but I don't, right. you know, I've never been that type of person that like can take like a spoonful of mayo or like other condiments and just like eat it. Like not for me. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're so similar in that regard. And I think that obviously that's why one of the reasons why we bond so well together. And I think it's, I'm like, I'm borderline a challenge for my husband sometimes in a good way. Like he really appreciates what he can try to whip up, but he, I mean, he would eat meat forever. I think that if I never asked him to consider an alternative, um, but um, you said something about, you're talking about, oh yeah, so using cow's milk. I think it's really important. Like, so here's what we're saying. Like, you've seen like, you know, animals in the wild or like even domesticated where like, m- you know, kittens will wean off of a mom, of a dog. Like, so it's obviously, it's not like it's, it's something that is toxic, like from yeah. consumption as, as we're just discussing. It can definitely, I mean, it's obviously been a substituted need for some people. It's, it's not an argument that my daughter still drinks cow's milk. I tried to get her to switch to almond and she threw up. <laughs> so it's a long story, but, um, but she, I mean, she doesn't really eat meat, but if she chooses right now, she wants to drink dairy. That's her choice, right? Like I, I mean, I'm not gonna try to fight it right now, but that's what I'm saying is like, that's what I, you have to be flexible and just understand that again, it's so much more about just figuring yourself out and what works for you and not being upset if it's not what works even for your partner necessarily. And does that mean necessarily that things will be a little bit more inconvenient because you might have different grocery lists or you might shop you know at the hay market or the farmers markets in general in the summertime and you might have to not eat as cleanly in the wintertime based on wherever you live or whatever these are things that I've learned to accept about myself and that you know where this all came from is that I don't really step on the scale ever um but I do just want to make sure that I'm being conscious and aware and I'd been feeling a little sluggish anyways and I, I blame the change of the weather and hormones and career stuff and all of that but you know, it started having me question like, well, maybe it's if, if you're feeling this way, maybe you should consider your diet and your exercise again. Like, you know that your body is completely capable of being immunity boosted. If you're going to sit and meditate and clear all of your negative emotions and energies, I truly believe that that has so much more to do with my health than, well, not more, I shouldn't say more, but just as equal as what I'm putting in my body, then I'm doing so well over there that that's why I feel like I let myself 
slack, I guess is what I would say. Um, so anyway, so I had a conversation with my husband and was just like, you know, like, I don't feel like I'm doing terrible, but I would really like, especially with the holidays, especially with the cold season coming up, locking back indoors, potential of, you know, just being around people we know and love and not being able to get out, whatever. I just want to feel like I'm doing the right thing. And so, you know, when I kind of stopped the working out and um, being as strict with everything, I was like weighing in at 165. So I got on the scale and I've been like getting between like one, probably about 175. And my body does feel different. Like I can tell my body is fuller, which makes sense because if I'm not as cleaner eating, there's going to be more fat in my body. And it doesn't mean that I feel any less about it. It's just something that I recognize and I'm aware. I'm still fitting into my clothes, but I'm filling them out. So I'm just feeling a little bit more womanly right now. It's fine. Um, but but being okay with that, like deciding that, okay, well, I think especially because you're going into a season that can lower a lot of people's immunity just because of everything that's going on, it'd be, it'd be smart to maybe reduce the amount of dairy you've been consuming or sweets versus vegetables and so on and so forth. And that just felt really good to be in that headspace and be aware of it. So that's what I think most people are probably searching for in this journey is because the dieting and the yo-yoing and the giving up and starting over is what you're exhausted of. It's the energy to get back into it and starting it. But if you just start with the mentality that I'm just going to be fluid and I'm going to keep going. And if I stop going to the gym for a week, it doesn't mean I failed. It just means I didn't go to the gym for a week. Um, and just keep asking questions and keep listening to people who inspire you and, you know, know that you're supported. Yeah. There's other options well, out there. Well, and I have two things that I wanted to interject there. The first thing is like, you know, you mentioned we're going into cold and flu season. And so people, you know, you might not know this, but, but dairy cow's milk is a natural phlegm producer. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I, that was something that I, I kind of mentioned it a little bit ago when I was talking about vegan and adding dairy back into my diet. But like, that's a huge thing for me is that if you suffer from really bad sinus things during the winter time, cutting out how much dairy you, you intake, you don't have to cut it out completely, but reducing the amount that you intake, test it. See if you are a little less phlegmy this year and see if you feel like you can breathe a little bit easier because you're not bogged down by all of that phlegm. Because that's all that cow's milk is doing is just churning your phlegm produce, production up like on high alert. Um, so yeah, test it out for yourself and see if it works. And if it does, awesome. And then you can have like a little bit less dairy in your diet in the wintertime. Yeah. The other thing that the other thing that I think it's important for people to kind of reflect on if they like, cause I'm a chronic, um, like I've tried almost every diet under the sun and like fad diets and things like that. And I failed miserably at all of them. And I felt like a failure and something that one of my um, doctors, when I had my gallbladder taken out, because when you have your gallbladder taken out, you're supposed to really kind of reevaluate the food that you're intaking because you've altered your body in the process of, of digesting your food systems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that one of the doctors mentioned something about, um, the reason why we fail at fad diets is because of the restrictions that we put on ourselves are too harsh and are too strict and they are really unrealistic. If we are a, a species or a collective group of people that are already, not doing great with nutrition and not doing great with the knowledge that we have about food we're putting in our bodies, putting too strict of restrictions is just setting ourselves up for failure. So letting go of the need to be perfect when you're quote unquote dieting will help you immensely. Like, you know, Rachel mentioned many times on this podcast that she feels really free of those things. And it's, it, it once you get to a place a mentality wise of it's okay to modify what, what these outline rules are for this, this food 
you know, quote unquote diet that I want to change to. First of all, get rid of diet. It's like in the sense that you're used to. Mm -hmm. It's this is the food that I'm going to be eating. This is the food that I want to eat more of. This is the food I want to eat less of. Once you kind of change that mentality and you find out or realize for yourself that it's okay to not be perfect with your food choices and that no, the only thing that's going to affect negative food changes is that your body's going to feel bad temporarily or weighed down or yeah so it's just it's just changing that mentality and realizing that there is no rule book like there is no set guideline rule book for for food if you step outside the lines nobody's going to be there to write you a ticket nobody's going to be there to to shame you publicly or like you know burn you at the stake it literally is food that you're putting in your body for fuel mm. and if you choose a different type of fuel today that's okay your car is still going to run it's just that in the grand scheme of things you want to choose more good fuel over more bad fuel right so that your car will run longer right 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 <laughs> so yeah just, yeah those yeah. restrictions i always just want to say like it just it's a reminder that restrictions are just again a form of scarcity and your brain does not like that that's why it goes into panic mode scarcity oh, yeah. is a terrible place to live so when you remember that da vinci's is probably always going to be there if you remember that ice cream is always going to be there if you remember that your extra cheesy whatever is always going to be there just remind yourself of that like I try I have to do that like even even today like when we go out to eat it's still difficult for me because it's like I feel like I have to eat it all because we're paying for it so one I order smaller um intentionally or two um you know I'm just so incredibly grateful for that opportunity to be there and you know value that so anyway um so I, I hope that this was valuable for you guys today to, to start to even just begin working through just knowing again just like Jess said be fluid and be flexible be kind to yourself most importantly and just know you know what worked for your best friend may not necessarily work for you and consider what we were talking about like when you're talking about like when I said earlier like with the gluten thing it's not a shame about anybody like if you're like no I love gluten that's fine love gluten but it's also not improbable that a lot of human beings can't tolerate it because it's not a natural source of food okay so uh that, right. that's just something to consider of anything by the way of anything red yellow number five or that was like a song i'm pretty sure but by lou bega but um anyways um i know you know high fructose corn syrup that's the thing that drives people crazy too so anyway let's wrap it up for today we uh would love 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 if you want some um part two of that or additional information make sure to reach out to either one of us for sure but let them know again where they can find you photos with anderson.com or on facebook you can also search for my private group it's boudoir photos with anderson you'll find me on facebook of course um instagram vote for parties if you want uh vip page 18 years or older for feminine energy if you're looking for sexual wellness intimacy building so on and so forth you can get together with me one-on-one -on -one if you want you can do empowerment classes for prospective coaching you can also do some free options via the vip page or doing some in-home parties or online options as well and lastly if you know anybody that you feel like is going to benefit from hanging out with us via the podcast or otherwise with our photography services and elsewhere <laughs> make sure you refer us because sharing makes you beautiful i'm pretty sure they, that's a fact yeah <laughs> sorry i got distracted <laughs> right at the end. all right whatever we will be back next week y'all uh, enjoy the rest of this one and try to stay warm i would say so stay happy stay healthy and wash your hands goodbye